Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Well, I'm very excited because we have the wonderful Mrs. Morton. I haven't been able to say that, I don't think, yet. Mrs. Morton is coming to preach to us this morning. And um, I just need you to know that what she's about to bring, she is utterly qualified in bringing. There's a little verse in um, Luke 7:47, and it says, Whoever is forgiven much, loves much. In other words, the deeper you've fallen into sin and the, the worse your life is and the, the bigger things that you've done that you just know are, are, are upsetting God, when you get set free and you come back to him, the love and the grace that you feel within you for other people is just magnified so much. And that is where Debs is at. So I'm just going to let her come and minister the word of God to you guys. Give her a hand. Morning. So in our worship and prayer this morning, I think across this room that we've all been approaching God differently. So you may have come in here this morning and you're praying to him and worshipping him as your Lord and Saviour. Maybe you've been um, calling on him as your King. Maybe you've come in here this morning and you're in a bit of pain, so you've needed to call on him as your healer. Maybe you've been chatting to him this morning just as your friend. Maybe you've come in here this morning and you think, what on earth just gone off? Who is this person that everyone's praying to and singing to and everything that we've done this morning, you're thinking, wow, who is, who is this person? Um, so we could have all been using a lot of different names for God this morning. But above all of those things, what I want to tell you that God is today is our dad, is our father, is our heavenly father. And I want to ask you a simple question. Do you know your dad? Do you know your father? Do you really know him, though? I don't mean, do you, have you read about him or have you heard other people talk about him? Do, do you really know him as your father, as your God? And, you know, when Jesus was on the earth, he walked with his disciples and he gave them a lesson in how to pray. And when he gave them this lesson, he gave them a prayer, gave them the Lord's Prayer. Now, we probably all know the Lord's Prayer. We can all recite it from, from years ago. What's the first line in that prayer? It's our Father who aren't in heaven. It starts with our dad. It starts with our heavenly Father. And I believe that in this word that God has given me this morning, that he wants us to all have a fresh revelation, that we have a perfect Father, that we have a dad who wants the best for us, that is looking out for us. Why? Because that's just what dads do. And that's what our dad does. And, you know, I've been a Christian from pretty much from when I can remember I've been brought up in the church. And I think it was about the age of 10 when I remember giving my life to God. And before I came to The Rock and um, back, back in those days, um, I had a, quite a few bad experiences from people in, in my old church that it was kind of like it was rules that you had to follow. That's how I saw it as, that if you did anything wrong, that God would come down on you like a ton of bricks. That, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't really sure about what God thought of me. And, and then about 13, 
we'll put about 12, 13 years ago, I started to drift away from God a little bit, went through a bit of a hard time in my life, went through a divorce. And so because of what people had said and because of what my perception of God was, not because of what God had told me, but because of what I'd heard from other people, I thought, how can I go back to church? What do we do? The first thing we do is we stay away, don't we? We feel like we can't pray. We feel like I'm not worthy. And, and so that's what I did for a while. I stayed away from God because I didn't know what he thought of me. I thought he was going to be angry with me. And that was because of what I'd built up in my own head. I didn't actually know God as my father. So even though I'd been in church for all those years, I'd come to church every day, I'd gone to meetings, I'd been involved, but I didn't actually know him. I didn't actually know what he thought of me. And I'd say that it's only in the last few years, really, where I've had a revelation of God being my father. And that he loves me for, for me, not for what I do or what I don't do. He just loves me because, because I'm his child. And I feel like if we can grasp that, if we can grasp how much God loves us and how much that is just our father and that we're his child, then that can take our relationship onto a new level with him. That, you know, Rod spoke about vision and purpose last week. How can we have a vision or a purpose if we don't even know our father? If we don't even know our God, if we don't even know what, what he expects from us. Our word for this year is expectancy. How can we be expectant if we don't know what to expect from our dad? And, you know, in this room today, I know that every single one of us will have had different experiences of our natural fathers. You may have had a great experience. You may have a great relationship with your dad and always have. I feel blessed to say that I have a great relationship with my dad because my dad's the gaffer, so. <laughs> no one else apart from my sister can say that his dad's the gaffer. <laughs> and I know, but you know, I know that through my life, no matter what, that my dad's there for me. That I only have to pick up the phone and go, Dad. <laughs> and he'll say, what do you want? <laughs> and I know that I can do that with my dad. And at the minute, when I ring him and he picks up the phone and says, what do you want? It's usually something along the lines of, I've got problems in my bathroom. Can you come round and sort my pipes out? <laughs> That's what it's been in the last week. But, you know, and he's it, it been there. And then to make it worse, my sister's decided to have a new bathroom exactly the same week that we have. So we was actually on the phone yesterday discussing who was having dad first tomorrow to come round <laughs> to do what plumbing. So... You know, I'm lucky that I can say that. And you, but you may be here today and you've not had that experience with an actual father. You may think about your father and you don't have a lot of contact with him. You may have had an um, abusive kind of a relationship. You may be here today and, you, you know, your father's passed away and you don't have that relationship anymore. And this could be one of the reasons that you struggle to see your heavenly father as the perfect father. Because if that's all that we've ever known... We think that our dad's going to be the same, don't we? And, but this morning, I want to tell you about the perfect father. That it doesn't matter what father figures that we've had in our lives, let's put that aside today and let's listen to what our heavenly father wants to tell us and what he thinks about us. That, you know, that we can ring him anytime and say, Dad, and that he's going to be there on the other end of the phone saying, what do you want? Yeah, that's, that's what our dad does, isn't it? And like I said, with our word for as expectations, so I looked up the expectations of a good father. And this is what it said. 
Dads are expected to be the strong ones. Dads are expected to be the example. Dads are expected to take care of things around the house, especially the bathroom. I just added that bit on. <laughs> they, expect, they are expected to love their family. In 1 John 3, it says this, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we shall be called children of God, and that is what we are. It's there in black and white, isn't it? Yeah? That our dad in heaven meets every one of those expectations. In fact, he far outweighs them. And that, you know, if you don't expect your dad's going to answer your call, you're not going to bother ringing him, are you? If we don't expect that he's going to answer, why, why, why do we bother talking to him? Well, well, of course he's going to answer. He's our dad. And, he, you know, you might not think he's answering straight away. But, you know, my dad doesn't always answer straight away. He's getting on a bit now, bless him. So I, I ring him, and I, I guarantee every time the phone will ring, it will ring and ring and ring, and I can picture him. He's like, oh, it's my phone ringing. Gets it out of his pocket. It goes off, and then two, it's not, probably not two minutes later, he rings back. Oh, what do you want? So, you know, it might not be always where we, you know, we get an answer straight away. But, you know, our God's there. He's there on the other end of the phone. And I want to ask you a couple of rhetorical questions. What does God think of you? What is God's opinion of you? When God thinks about you, does he think about all the stupid things that you've done wrong? Or does he rejoice in the person that he's making you become? When God thinks about you, does he think about your past or does he dream about your future? Because how you answer these questions will profoundly impact on how you see God. And how you see God will profoundly impact on how you face God. So, you know, if you see God as a harsh judge, then you're going to face him with hopelessness. If you see him as a demanding taskmaster, then you're going to face him with fear. If you see him as your loving father, then we've got a decision to make how we're going to face him. Will you face him with love and openness, or will you turn and run? Because how you see God determines how you face him, and a lot of that is determined how you think God sees you. Does that make sense? God thinks about you all the time. You're always on his mind. And I want us to look at a story in the Bible that we all know really well, but it just literally shows the father heart of God. And I wanted to look at a bit of a different slant. That's why I've called the title of my sermon, The Prodigal Love. So it's Luke 15, verse 11. And it says this, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set off and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
Make me one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But let's look at what the father does here. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He is lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Let's look at the older son then. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you've never even given me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but he is found. So, you know, we, often we call this parable, don't we, the parable of the prodigal son. Well, I realise that in this story, that if you look in any translation, Jesus doesn't call this boy a prodigal. We've just read it, haven't we? And he doesn't call him that. So I thought, why do we actually call the prodigal son the prodigal? What does it mean? There's actually a bit of a misunderstanding what this word means. We think that it just means rebellious and lost. Well, I looked up the word prodigal, and it means exceedingly generous, lavishly wasteful. Exceedingly generous, lavishly wasteful. So with the definition of the prodigal in mind, in this story, it's not actually just the son. He's just an idiot making wrong choices. He's wasteful, but he's like his father. Because what does the father do when he comes home? He throws a party. And, you know, we tend to be more focused on his lifestyle than the fact that he's lost. So if we look at it, the father is a prodigal here. Look at his love. It's, it said it's reckless love. It's his prodigal love. He divides his estate up just because the son asks him to. And then he says to the servants, bring the best robe, put sandals on his feet, put a ring on his finger. So what is he doing here? He's restoring him. He's restoring his identity, his authority, and then he gives him back his dignity. And that's what the sandals represent. If you look at the slaves, the servants, they all went round barefoot. So putting those sandals on his feet, the father was saying, you're not not coming back as a servant. You're not coming back as a slave. You're my son. You're coming back into my family. And, you know, the father is lavishing his love, his prodigal love over this boy. And so that's why I wanted to call it the prodigal love, because actually it's the father's prodigal love that brought this son back home, that he gives him his identity, his dignity, and his authority. And God does that to us, doesn't he? Even though we don't deserve it, he gives us back those things. We've just read it in 1 John 3, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. 
We, we can all think of a million reasons why we can't come home. We can think of a million reasons why God should be ashamed of us, can't we? We don't have to look far. We all know our stories. We all know our past. We all know our, our present, our weaknesses, our sins. We all know the distant countries that we've wandered off to. You know, the distant country in this story is any place that you go in your heart or your mind where you don't want God to know where you are, basically. It doesn't mean he's actually gone off to a different country. We don't have to go off to a different country, do we? We can be sat in here today, but we've wandered from him in our hearts. And, but it's no surprise to God. We can't hide from him, can we? In our small group this week, we've been looking at, because um, we're looking at the Bible, so we've we started in um, the order of things, so obviously we started in Genesis, and we was looking at Adam and Eve, and it was the same for them, wasn't it? They sinned, the next morning, God came, where are you? Where are you, Adam? He's not physically saying, where are you? I can't find you. He's hiding behind a tree. That's, that's not what was happening. He was saying, where, where's your heart? Where, where have you gone? I'm waiting for you. Where are you? And like I say, God knows, God knows everything about us. We can't hide anyway, can we? And am I saying that it's okay to sin? Of course not. God hates sin because that's what separates us from him. But through Jesus, God has made a way so that we can be restored and that we can be forgiven. You know, God is the only one that can make us holy. We think we have to change our life, don't we, and behave ourselves in order to come home. We, we, we feel like, I felt that. I thought, when I wanted to come home, I thought, oh, I've got, I can't come yet. I can't come to church. I can't pray to God because I've got to do this first and I've got to be this right. That's, that's not how it works. You know, we think we have to clean up our act and start acting holy in order to come home. But it's only God that makes us holy and he does it through his grace. Holiness is not what God wants from you. Holiness is what he wants for you. Say that again. Holiness is not what God wants from you. Holiness is what he wants for you. It's not my idea of righteousness he's looking for. It's his holiness in us that provides it with, through his grace. Through Jesus, he says, come. You don't have to change your life. You don't, before you come home, just come home. Don't, you know, he said, come home. We'll work all that stuff out afterwards. Don't, don't worry about that. I'm just saying, come home. Come back where you belong. That, we've sang it this morning, haven't we? It's not saying, oh, but, you know, just wait out there. We'll get a few things sorted and then, then come back in. It'll be okay. No. He's saying, just come home. You don't make yourself holy by changing your behavior. God makes us holy by making us innocent, washing it all away. And then with the Holy Spirit, the power of God's word, with his fellowship, we begin that process with God then, don't we? And we get the character change. It's then we start to change the way we think, act, and respond. Because we're living as family members. We're not living as slaves. We're not living as servants. We're living as his son and his daughter. We're not trying to earn something out of God, but we're doing it out of gratitude because of his amazing grace and mercy to us. And then that's what changes our behavior, isn't it? It's not the other way around. We get it so wrong. We always try and do it the other way around. And that's where we feel like we're not worthy. We feel like we're not enough. You don't change to be accepted by God. 
we're just accepted by him anyway. Then he'll work out the change. And, you know, if we get that truth, if we really get that truth in here, it will literally have a massive impact on how we see ourselves. But not just how we see ourselves, but it will have an impact on how we see others that aren't following Jesus as well. You know, like in the uh, next part of this story, in verse 25, we see how the rest of it plays out with the older brother. You know, in this story, both sons were lost. They both saw themselves as slaves. And neither of them understood who they were. The younger one said, let me come back and be your servant. And the older brother said, all these years I've been slaving for you. So he was the self-righteous one. But, you know, the younger son left home. But if you actually look, the older son, he was never really home to begin with. And yet the father went out looking for both of them, didn't he? And then if we look at that story, we don't actually see what happens next in that story. We don't know if the younger son stuck around. We don't know if he changed his life, if he started behaving himself. We don't know. And maybe that's the point, because we don't know what's coming next, do we? Therefore, we can't wait or hold back love and forgiveness from sinners, because we don't know. Our love and forgiveness just might determine what happens next in someone else's life. How do they respond How do we respond? How welcoming are we when they come home? The father didn't say, oh, sure, come back, be a servant, and then, you know, if you change your life, if you prove yourself, if we see how you're getting on, then maybe I'll ask you back into the family. He didn't do that, did he? It was immediate acceptance. In verse 20, I think of that story, literally shows us the, the father's heart while he was still a long way off. I want to ask you, who do you know that is a long way off and is coming to their senses? His father saw him and was, had compassion for him. What are, you, what are you filled with when you think of that person that's a long way off? Are you filled with doubt? Is there someone that you've been praying for for so long to come back home and that actually you're, just, you're doubting it now? Are you filled with hope? Does it fill you with anger? Or have you got compassion like the father? It says he ran to the son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said, I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy. Let's not miss what happened here. The kiss came before the confession. The father received the boy before he even said a word. He was there, wasn't he? He kissed him. He embraced him while he was still dressed in filthy rags. He didn't say, go and get yourself cleaned up first and then come back. No, he kissed him. He embraced him there and then. In Romans 5 verse 8, it says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us after we confessed, did he? It was while we were still sinners. We don't change our lives in order to earn God's grace. We change our lives because we've been forgiven. And it's out of a sense of gratitude, not fear, that we change. If you think of the lost sons and daughters that you don't know, maybe people you work with, neighbours, 
It might literally be your own son or daughter. I've got one in your own family that are lost. Think of the ones that are in a distant country, that they've run from home maybe, and God, and maybe they're just coming to their senses. And deep in their hearts, they would love to come home, but maybe they're afraid, maybe they're ashamed. What would a lost son or daughter do if we respond with the prodigal love of God? What would they do if we responded like the older brother? Can you imagine if the older brother would have met him first and it wasn't the father? Can you imagine what he would have said to that boy that was coming down the street? What makes you think you can come back? Who do you think you are? I've been here all this time and you think you can just come waltzing back? You can kind of picture what he would say to him. The way you've hurt our dad, how dare you? And luckily, it wasn't him that greeted him. I believe one of the reasons that people don't come home to God is because they're afraid of his judgment. They haven't heard about his prodigal love. But even more, sometimes people don't come home because they're afraid of our judgment, because of the rules, because they haven't done this right. They're afraid they're going to be judged by the older brothers in the church. So they stay away. It's true, isn't it? They think they're not good enough. We attract people to Jesus by attracting them to ourselves. Jesus doesn't call us to a code of behavior. He calls us to a friendship. He calls us to a relationship with himself. If we're judgmental, we're not going to attract anyone, are we? But if we're showing the prodigal love of God, if we're kind, if we're humble, keeping, having a love that keeps no record of wrongs, then maybe, maybe they will taste and see that God is God. That maybe they'll know the Father's heart because we've received that, so then we need to give that to others, don't we, that are lost. In Zephaniah 3, verse 17, it says this, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. There's nothing we can do to make our father proud of us. That's not why he loves us. He just loves us because we're his children. If you don't go out of here with anything else today, go out with that truth that there's nothing that we can do to make him proud of us. He just is because he's your dad, because he's your heavenly father. And I just want to ask you the same questions that I asked at the start. What does God think of you? How do you see God? If you see him as a loving father, then you have a decision to make. How do you respond to the prodigal love of God? You can choose to walk away from it and ignore it and say, well, that's, that's good for you, but actually, I'm not sure about that. Or we can surrender and allow yourself to be loved and let him sing over you. You can come to your senses and you can come home, yeah. back where you belong. Because yeah. the Father is waiting for us, isn't he? So if the band just want to come up, thank you. Maybe we could just close our eyes for a minute. I want to just ask you a couple of questions.
Are you standing in the way of a lost son and daughter? Or are you showing the way? Are you guarding the door? Or are you opening the door? We need to ask him for the Father's heart. You know, we've got this prayer and fasting campaign coming up, and a lot of it's focused on praying for lost ones, people that have walked away. Well, are you expectant for these people, these family members, the people that don't know Jesus, to come back? This year, it's about expectancy. You know, are, are we expecting our dad to move? Are we expecting him to to bring back people that you've been praying for for years? Why not this year? Why not this month? You know, maybe you've doubted because it's been so long. Well, you know, let's start believing again. Let's start praying again for these people to come home. Maybe you sat in here this morning and you are one of those people. Maybe you've never really known the Father. Well, he wants to get to know you. He's your dad. And like I say, put, put all the thoughts and feelings and ideas that you've had about your natural father because God is just not like that. He is perfect. He is a perfect father. And he is there for us on the other end of the phone at all times. Whether we feel it or not, whether we don't feel worthy or not, we're accepted, we're loved because of his grace and because he first loved us. So maybe you need to feel that again this morning. Maybe you need to feel some of that prodigal love of God again. Maybe you just need to get to know him for the first time. You, you want to know this, this dad, this father that everybody's talking about. And maybe there's some people that you need to start believing for again be expecting that this is their year. God's going to bring them through them doors. Why not? Why not now? But let's believe it. Amen.